VorpalNetwork.com This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and D&D Classics affiliate links. This is the Chamberlain Skeksis, and you're listening to the Tome. Welcome to the Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm your co-host, Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, we're going to chat with Jeremiah McCoy about what to do when you've got that itch to play some D&D, but you're stuck in the middle of a dry spell. McCoy, welcome back to the show, sir. It has been a long time. Too long, definitely. Absolutely. So remind people who you are and explain where the heck you've been. Uh, well, let's see. I had a podcast called Basics of the Game, uh, where I reviewed games for a while. Uh, it sort of went to the wayside. I worked in the computer game industry, uh, and lately I've just uh, gotten out of uh, college again with a degree and trying to get back out there right on and so i understand you may have been had a bit of a dry spell in your gaming life as well how long is that is that dry, how long is it was that dry spell or is that dry spell um let's see i think the last time i actually played a, a tabletop role-playing game was four or four months ago four or five months ago okay. I was going to say, don't uh, tell me it was in my house last time you were here. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. I, I've, I've played some, some board games since then, and I've done some LARPing, so it's not a complete dry spell, but uh, I haven't been able to do any sit-down tabletop or, uh, role-playing games. In Have a you while. had a regular group since you left our group? Uh, sort of. Um, most of them are uh, you know, either have recently had kids or are in the process of having kids. And so that sort of interferes with our ability to be very regular. Yeah, sure. Uh, but you know, yeah, we get together when we can, and we we you know we play around. And of course, like I said, I do the LARPing, so I do that about once a month. Right on. Tracy, have you ever had a, a gaming dry spell? Yes. <laughs> End of story. Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, we had some. We had a bunch of uh, people in our group either move away or have kids so and it's been hard to find both time on my end and a time when everyone can get together right now and play i went about um three or four years after college from going from my college group and then trying to find a group after that uh partially because i was moving around you know as we were is my wife got a job and then I got a job and, and whatever. We ended up moving around a little bit. I actually started this podcast while I was in the middle of that dry spell, that three or four year dry spell. I'd gotten about two years into it, but I was still buying all the books and reading them. And it's like, I need to get involved in this community again. And then, so I started doing the podcast and then about two or three episodes in the podcast, I realized I, I feel a little hypocritical, you know, doing a D and D podcast, but not actually regularly playing D and D. So then, then I really put myself out there and, and found another group and started playing again. And, and I've had a regular group since then. But, but it was a long, long, dry, dry spell for me. Yeah, it's uh, it, you know, it as we get older and all our friends get older and you know, professional lives and families and such get sort of get in the way. It's easier when you're in college, and you know, sure. Maybe you have a social life, maybe you don't, but uh, it, it, it's certainly easier to make time for it. Yeah. And, and as you get older, 
and you have more responsibilities to worry about and, and all your friends have more responsibilities to worry about, it gets harder to, to, to make the time yeah. to do it. And sometimes it's an issue of, of location as well. I mean, if you end up living in some a relatively small community or, or whatever, sometimes it's hard to find. You know, if there's if there's uh, seventy five hundred people in your whole town, like there was a town I grew up in, it's hard to find the three or four of them that are interested in gaming. You know, that's true. Uh, the, you know, uh, in my particular case, I am just far enough away from a an actually fairly good uh, local comic or lo- local uh, game store. To make it inconvenient to go down there and play, mm-hmm. you know, if it's over half an hour for me to get there, that's a little too inconvenient. Sure, um, and that—that's where I find myself. There's a really great one in downtown Knoxville, but I'm just far enough away that it's kind of inconvenient to get to. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I and I've had problems because like Boston has a lot of gaming. Uh, but I've been spending a lot of time just keeping Jerry company and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then on top of it, you know, having, uh, my anxiety get triggered pretty easily has made it hard to one plan things. And then two, I never know what my schedule is anyway. So, so yeah. you're too, uh, you're too busy freelancing in the gaming industry to actually game, huh? Uh, it's not so much that. It's, just, it's the it's the helping other people, and and then sure. yeah. I keep threatening to do the online gaming, you know, like over Google Hangouts and such, mm-hmm. and I never quite get around to doing it. Yeah, you yeah. Lo- you lobbied pretty hard when you moved away for us to set up a laptop with Skype and let you Skype in a, your character for your character for a while. Yeah, yeah. I just. I just can't see that actually working very well. I mean, part of the joy of gaming is actually having your friends around you at the gaming table, you know? It's true. It's true. Well, well, we can talk about that more when we talk about video games. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So, speaking of, uh, that's sort of the the whole idea. This concept of the dry spell is kind of the whole idea of this. Um, We we knew that there would be uh, a possibility of this uh, in the show because... We're between editions, and there's not new products coming out, so we kind of hit a dry spell this month in the podcast, and we're like, uh, what are we going to talk about? Nothing new has really come out for a while. There's a few things that we want to still have some time to look over to review and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we were sitting in this dry spell wondering what to do, and it occurred to me, why don't we talk about the kinds of things you can do when you're in the middle of a dry spell, the kinds of things you can do to sort of scratch that D&D itch that you've got um, when you don't have a group that you can get together and play games with. So that's what we're all about tonight, or today, or whenever you're listening to this. What can we do to scratch that D&D itch? And we thought we'd look, look at some of the, uh, the other sources of media. You know, What books can you read? What comics? What movies? TV? Video games? All of that kind of stuff. What kind of stuff can you get into and, and read and, and consume to sort of satiate that desire to get, get around to the table with a bunch of friends and game? Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who wants to start? Somebody pick a category. Comics. Comics. That's my biggest list. <laughs> Mine. T- well, it's one of my biggest too. Well, and part of the part of the reason my comic list I think is bigger is because comics are significantly easier to consume, right? Yes. I I, I can push myself to to read a novel every two months or so, like we've done for the book club, right? With everything else going on in my life, but I can read a, I can sit down and read a comic in, in 10, 15 minutes. Right. So why don't yeah. you start, Tracy? What what comic have you been reading lately to scratch your D&D itch? 
do I? Th- well, I'll just start. We'll start with one, but I have a whole list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one I'll actually start with is a comic called Rat Queens. I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's brand new. It only has one issue out so far. Uh, I've heard good things about that. What is it? Yeah, it's uh, basically it's about four female characters, and they are your kind of stereotypical D and D party. They're meant to be PCs. They get in a drunken fights. They get thrown into jail, and they're told, "Hey, uh, you're gonna do this quest." And the the first person to complete their quest gets to stay in town, and everyone gets ex- everyone else gets exiled. <laughs> and that's how we start off. Awesome. Well, no, I'm actually I'm trying to find it. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I actually just posted about it on SarahDarkMagic.com. Sweet. There it is. I found it. Cool. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, yeah so, and and there's a dwarf and a hobbit or a halfling, uh, and everything. Awesome. Sort of in that same vein. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna make the next suggestion, and which I wrote about several months back now, um, on temporary hit points, which I almost never write on anymore. Um, and, and it follows the same tropes, only um. And, and, and plays up to all the stereotypes um, and is oftentimes horribly inappropriate and, and offensive in the way it does it um, in, in, an in an intentionally humorous way. Uh, and that's Skull Kickers. Oh, wow. I haven't heard that one. Okay. Skull Kickers is, is uh, the story of um, – well, for most of the comic, the two main characters don't even have names. There's the short dwarf character and there's the big bald burly guy who who has magical guns that have the magical property of um nobody remembers ever seeing them because they're a unique item and they they're actually in the middle of a long storyline explaining how it is that this guy in a fantasy world has guns and it's all like cthuloid and world hopping sort of story going on but but it 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 plays up all the humor and, and what have you of of the fantasy world like it captures a lot of the humor that you that you get sitting around the table playing a game, a lot of that humor is sort of just naturally built into this. In the same way like the the D&D comic um, that was it is it John Rogers? Is that his name? That did the D&D yeah. comic for a long time? Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that they, they told us at the time is, is going on a hiatus and would be back eventually. I'm, I'm still hopeful that that could happen. Um, that one also had a gr- did a great job of sort of capturing the humor of sitting around the table with your friends without actually you know showing, a, showing you the dice rolling. Um, the only thing that drives me crazy about the Skull Kickers one is that whenever there's a sound effect, they do like corny giant letter sound effects and, and that is just overly descriptive that I think they think is funny but just sort of pulls me right out of it, you know? Right. Like, sure. like you know – when he swipes his sword and takes off somebody's head, it would say head chopping swoosh in big letters, you know, <laughs> across, across the neck. So th- those kinds of things, which is humorous at first and then get, I think kind of gets old, but the rest of it, I really enjoy. Cool. Thanks. Um, McCoy, what yeah. you got? Well, uh, there aren't a, a lot of good fantasy comics out that are running currently. Okay. Um, it, you know, that's unfortunate. Uh, the la- the one that comes to mind that I've read a fair amount of is um, is Demon Knights uh, from DC Comics. That was on my list. Go for it. Uh, it you know, in the... It's one of the few new 52 titles that I actually really liked. Uh, it was uh, written by Paul Cornell uh, originally. They eventually changed writers on it. But it's the medi- 
you know, Middle Ages version of the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. And it's got uh, Etrigan the Demon. It's got, uh, you know, the... the, the uh, Was it Xanadu is in there? Yeah, Xanadu. It's got uh, the Golden Knight. Shining Knight. Uh, Shining Knight, right. And uh, a, uh, Vandal Savage. Vandal Savage as sort of a good guy. <laughs> as much as Vandal Savage can be. Yeah, and... Pardon, pardon my language, and anybody who's going to be offended, uh, go ahead and turn your volume down for a second. But, but he's a right bastard, that guy. <laughs> even, even when he's a good guy. No, it's that's true. Um, and, and it's got a, a few characters that are relatively new. They have uh, a, a fellow who's of uh, Arabian descent who thinks this magic stuff is is bunk. Oh yeah, uh-huh. uh, is uh, big on science. Uh, there is an Amazon. Uh huh. Uh, running around with them, uh, all uh, like from Paradise Island and Exile from pa- Paradise Island, running around with them. Uh, there is a uh, a woman running, uh, riding a, a horse, and she has powers related to riding on the horse, but her legs don't work. Yeah, she's disabled. That, that's yeah. She's that, that, she's actually really interesting in that way. Uh, and you know, it's it deals with you know a lot of Arthurian mythology and. Uh, and but it's it's very sort of gonzo over the top fantasy. Mm-hmm. So it, it, in some ways, it kind of feels like a fourth edition game in that regard. You know that it, it's less you know gritty hero. So it's almost more, it's almost pulp fantasy. Yeah, it's pulp fantasy. It's it you know they're they're doing all kinds of wacky things. And it I really loved uh, that whole run while Paul, Paul Grinnell was writing it. It was awesome. Cool. Tracy, what else you got for comics? All right, I'm going to do two right now because they're kind of similar. Okay. Uh, one is called Princeless and the other is Spira. Princess, Princeless is about a princess who saves herself and then along the way meets this daughter of a blacksmith who helps make her, her, uh, her armor and everything else. And they're off to save the princess's other sisters from their fate of being... Uh, ensconced in these various towers because basically their father was I'm going to protect all my daughters by putting them in towers and uh, putting these mythical beasts to protect them so that's what that one's about Mm -hmm. and then Spira is about two princesses that save each other and go off on adventures with a fire spirit animal that loves to read books cool yeah, I've, I've I've oftentimes been intrigued and interested in possibly getting picking up Spira, and it's one of those that 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 I'm always like, oh, maybe no. If I spend that extra money, I'm not gonna have a happy wife, so I'll, I'll I'll stop myself that time. But but it's always sort of on that on that bubble list for me. Yeah, I really uh, enjoyed it. Cool. So I picked up a whole bunch of Top Cow books recently because they went on sale. Um, so that's the Darkness, that's Witchblade. Um, and I also read, been reading a lot of Cyberforce, which is technically in that world as well. And so that, while not a fantasy story, de- they definitely have fantasy elements to them. Uh, and I feel like that scratches a lot of a lot of my my D and D itch sometimes. You know, just having those fantasy elements in my in my reading. And if you can get past some of the um, gratuitous poses of the female form, um, there's some good and interesting stories in there. So, cool. And Cyberforce, uh, on on that note. Um, so Cyberforce was canceled ages ago, and then they did a Kickstarter to bring it back. And so because it was already funded through the Kickstarter, like the first like 
five or six issues are free. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that's pretty awesome, actually. So you can, you can get a good way into the story uh, before you decide whether or not you want to spend money on it. Sure. Um, also on the fantasy kick, I think, um, and I've been doing this through the uh, Marvel uh, Comics Unlimited app. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a good deal for anyone who's interested in it. It's like 15 bucks a month, unlimited, all-you-can-eat comics. I've been catching up on Journey into Mystery and Thor, God of Thunder. And both of those are well worth a read. Uh, Journey into Mystery, uh, the part I've you know, sort of glommed onto, uh, has been about Loki after he died and came back as a boy. So it's 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 young boy Loki trying to not become the villain he was. So but it's, it's a redemption story or an attempted redemption story. Sort of. He's he's still a trickster god. Okay. Uh, and so you know when they were doing this big uh, storyline involving fear and uh, you know the ancient other gods, and it was really kind of a dumb storyline. He was trying to trick different uh, keepers of hell into not throwing in with the bad guys. Hmm. Uh, and he, he, he was trying to trick his way into victory, uh, which, which was really cool. Um, the Thor God of Thunder was, is just very much like a Frank Frazetta painting. If you know what okay. Frank Rosetta is, yeah, uh, he's 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 you know bigger than life Viking ish storyline, and the God of Thunder storyline is three different eras of Thor dealing with uh, Gore the God Butcher, a, a creature that goes around and hunts down and kills gods because hmm. he hates them, and uh, uh, young Thor when he's out. You know, going a Viking with the with the Norse runs into him a little bit and beats him and runs him off. And then modern day Thor, the Thor that we see in the modern day comics and runs around with the Avengers, mm-hmm. begins to see evidence that he's come back. And then they show like old man Thor when he's got missing an eye and he's the last Asgardian guard, mm. god free, fighting the 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 armies of uh, Gore the the god butcher that's cool yeah it's it's really sort of super epic stuff Mm -hmm. and well worth reading i think people will like it cool tracy you're up what else you got next on comics all right so the these two aren't fantasy related but they help me with uh some of the other types of games Mm -hmm. uh that i like to play although these ones are very mature sometimes Uh, scratching your D &D itch is just scratching your geek itch too yeah. So. so the first one would be Saga, which is a, a love story about uh, <laughs> intergalactic war and what happens when uh, soldiers, like one soldier from each side, fall in love and have a kid. <laughs> are, there, and, are there laser swords? Well, one side <laughs> is kind of like tech and the other side is more magic. Okay. So, and... and and there's people out to get them, and they are flying through space in a giant tree, and all of these things. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. 
Uh, but it's definitely a mature comic, as is the next one. Where, and there's only one issue out so far, Sex Criminals. Uh, one of the writers is Matt Fraction, who is doing Hawkeye right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one is what happens if you find out that uh, you were one of the few people... In, uh, well, you thought you were the only person in the world that when you had sex, time stops. And then you find out there's another one who's like you. And you decide to go rob a bank or something. That is the weirdest sort of superpower ever, huh? Yeah. And it seems like just a gratuitous excuse to have lots of sex scenes in your comic. <laughs> right. But they're actually like, compared to some sex scenes in comics, oh, sure. these ones seem to be, uh, down, well, they're definitely light. mature. And, but they're also uh, more uh, inclusive, I think, of women's point of view. Because okay. like the most of this comic, so the first issue shows... Uh, the woman discovering her power and meeting the guy and them deciding to uh, have sex for the first time and stuff like that. But it's mostly from her point of view. Okay. So McCoy, you got any more comics for us? Oh, I've been, uh, I've been reading so much that I could go on all night. So <laughs> let's, I, I have a feeling we should probably I, move on. I still got four more on my list. So you, you do. I do. Oh, all right. Well, in that case, and actually, I can. I'll save one of them for for, for my end because one of them I can I can transition from comics into into novels. So, um, a, another one I'm going to uh, suggest because it's so sort of gonzo and strange and lots of fun um, is uh, is Captain America. The current run of Captain America hmm. has been amazing. It, it's uh, Captain America. It goes through a portal where one of the villains has conquered the world. It's Armin Zola. And runs off with Armin Zola's son and tries to raise him to be a good guy in this terrible hellscape. And it's awesome. It's, it's really well written. It, it uh, talks about his relationship with his own father. Uh, and and it, 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 it's uh, you know great art and everything. Uh, cool. The, I, I think that one's definitely worth reading. Uh, also, Tracy mentioned Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you like comics and you're not reading Hawkeye, you're missing out. It's one of the best uh, superhero comics written. Period. It doesn't feel like it's a superhero comic, but it's one of the best. Cool. Let's see. Does that take us back around to Tracy or me? I think you. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start off with a couple that are more. Um, more rooted, I guess, in fantasy, although one of them less so. Um, I've actually really enjoyed the the fantastic elements of the Magic the Gathering comic, as kind of lame as I feel uh, saying it. Um, I've really enjoyed the Magic the Gathering comic. Uh, the only thing that drives me crazy about it, and it's, you know, it's a guy who's using magic, and he's world hopping, and he's going through crazy adventures, and it's very D&D-ish in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, taken seriously, it's, it's without the, the wink and the nod that some of these other humorous, you know, D&D-based comics uh, that we've talked about are. Um, the only thing that drives me crazy about it is that they do, like, short four or six issue arcs, and then they retitle the comic. <laughs> so they, they go, you know, it's the Magic the Gathering whatever version uh, series. And it goes six issues and then it's over. But the story continues. They just 
suddenly give it a different title and start over at number one again. I think they just want to constantly remind people that there's good jumping on points and constantly restart the numbering. Um, but it does drive me crazy because as a di- especially as a digital comic reader, but even as somebody who's done subscriptions through comic shops before as well, um, having to constantly, you know, refine, oh, where does this go from here? What, do I, what am I reading now? Why can't I just read one title, you know? Um, so that drives me crazy. And then the other one that I wanted to mention that's more uh, based in fantasy um, – is fables um fables is is sort of a fractured fairy tale now it's told in partially in the modern world um with you know fairy tale characters living here in the modern world um but the part where i'm at right now which i'm just a little bit past issue 50 because i've bought them all up uh when they've gone on sale um so i buy them in big bulks at once um but they're, they're doing a lot with the the fairy tale world in the section that i'm at right now which is very much you know high fantasy sort of storytelling so Sure. Those are the the next two on my list. Tracy? Cool. So, we knew this was going to be on the list. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. (laughs) Uh, The most recent one actually has a scene where... uh, Is is this one also for mature audiences only? No, this one is not for mature audiences only. They actually play the... I forget... It's like the Prince Charming character uh, plays is, is a nerd growing up and plays ogres and obelies. I don't know how to pronounce it. Like they play the game in in the comic, <laughs> and apparently Twilight Sparkle also has a character in that game, but she doesn't play uh, in that particular <laughs> one. But they, they do great. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, general geek references in there they reference a bunch of story a bunch of movies there's tons of doctor who references and things like that in there uh and they just have a great magical world that explains how these things happen in in a way that's not based on science which i i always kind of like uh another one often gets mistaken as a kid's comic but really isn't a graphic novel and it's called uh bayou it hasn't been finished Mm -hmm. there's only two volumes in it but it's a story set in Jim Crow South mm-hmm. about... Uh, in Louisiana, right? I think it's Louisiana, yeah. I mean, it makes sense her, with the name Bayou. Yeah. Her, uh, a young African-American girl whose father uh, is being uh, accused of killing her uh, friend who was white mm-hmm. because her friend has gone missing. And she's trying to find her friend to save her father. And it goes through a bunch of fantastical uh, stories that are all from that actual, uh, from the people of that area, era mm-hmm. and area that he learned that the author had uh, grown up with. So I thought it was really great. But it also in the, in the backdrop is a depiction of what it was like to be, you know, an African American during that time period sure. in in the South. Cool. Sure. McCoy, you're up. All right. Uh, I'm going to pick one here that uh, is not terribly fantastical, but I feel it's good enough that it needs that I, I should bring it up. Stumptown. Yes. I love Stumptown so much. Yes. I, lo- I love pretty much everything Greg Rucker writes. Uh, you know, he, he, he does. Uh, he's, he's even got a cool webcomic at this point, but he's awesome. And Stumptown is. A Portland area private detective, uh, sort of 
pulp noirish story set in Portland. Uh, it's not fantastical. There's no magic. There's no sci-fi elements. It's just really good, gritty storytelling with this woman who's a private detective uh, running afoul of bad people. And uh, they drew a lot of inspiration from Rockford Files, if you've ever watched that show. Yes. They even have a car, uh, car chase episode. <laughs> or issue. So it, it, it's really awesome. Uh, the other thing I'm going to bring up, and this one is more traditionally comic booky, is the uh, DC has a bunch of digital firsts that are set in mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. Superman Beyond, Batman Beyond, uh, Justice League uh, Beyond, and it's all in the future when you know Batman's an old man and he can't do it anymore and. Uh, Following right out of the the Batman Beyond uh, cartoon. Yes. And they are surprisingly good. Yeah. Uh, They are probably the best continuing stuff that DC is currently putting out right now, which is sad to say. (laughs) Um, But... um, that, that they're with, with, really, with really the understanding tough. that you and I almost have completely opposite opinions on these things. <laughs> with, the, with that understanding in yeah. place, um, they, they are designed to be read digitally. Yes. So it, uh, as opposed to a comic book that sort of gets moved over, they are pretty much designed from day one to be read on a tablet screen. And so it, it changes how they lay things out and so on. But the, the storytelling's solid, and they're like 99 cents at issue. So they're definitely worth checking out. Cool. Uh, the next one I want to mention is one of my favorite things I probably ever read, let alone read in comics. Um, and it's got some fantastic fantasy sort of elements to it, and that's Lock and Key. Um, yeah. Lock and Key is is just absolutely wonderful in almost every single way possible. Um, if, you, if you can get past, I mean, there's some some really messed up, stuff right um it's definitely mired in cthulhu sort of storytelling um you know in that mythos i mean they they live in the town of lovecraft massachusetts right um so it's definitely caught into that mythos but it doesn't really like it doesn't really become about that until towards the end yeah right i mean it's there's all these weird fantasy things going on but they feel more like magic than they do Cthuloid stuff until you get towards, you know, what, volume five or so. Um, and then by then, you, you're totally buying into it because you're, you're hooked. Written by Stephen King's son. Oh, is that, who, is that who that is? Yeah. I didn't realize that was his son. Yeah. Because he also uh, is a big um, novelist and, and does short stories and I think yeah. he's done some, some screen stuff, you know? Yeah, he, and, and he's, it's good he's stuff. A, he's a, like a triple, quadruple threat. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got one more on my list, but I want to give you guys a chance um, to wrap up any last things you want to mention before we move on, because we're we're a half hour on just comics now. So. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll list four really quickly. Okay. Good. So we p- talked about Hawkeye. I would also say Captain Marvel and uh, X Men Volume Four, and two that I've recently started getting into. So I don't know as much about them. Would be Cursed Pirate Girl and the Stuff of Legend. Which are basically a bunch of toys and stuff that do awesome things. But it's kind of uh, scary. Okay. McCoy, what, what other ones do you want to get out of the way before we move on? Um, I'll, I'll toss out. Uh, I, I actually enjoyed 
the current run of Avengers by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I've liked Uncanny Avengers. Uh, a lot of the Avengers titles have been really solid lately, which is surprising. And um, I've also uh, been reading some classic comics, you know, uh, like uh, the Swamp Thing. I think we, we talked about the fact that it was on sale now. Uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is worth reading just for the storytelling alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got a bunch of the Swamp Things on sale for, for the Halloween season. I don't know how long that'll last or if it'll still be on sale by the time this comes out. But Well, cool. So my last comic transitions me into my first novel. So we'll go from comics into novels, I think, because I've been really enjoying the Dresden File comic. They have a Dresden File comic specifically set between like two of the the novels. Hmm. Um, it's it's Goblin Dresden File Goblin. I'm gonna have it in front of me right real quick here. Uh, Dresden File Ghoul Goblin. Um, but if you search for it uh, digitally, you, you actually have to search for Jim Butcher because it's Jim Butcher's Dresden Files Ghoul Goblin. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so that's. That's been really good, and it, you know, uh, if you're not familiar with the the Dresden Files, it's a it's a modern day d- detective sort of noir pulp story with a bunch of fantasy elements, right? Because he's not just a detective; he's actually a wizard, and he's investigating supernatural things and curses and monsters and that kind of stuff in a modern day world where most people don't realize that stuff is going on. But there's a lot of magical things sort of around us, right? And then I also recently read the first Dresden, Dresden Files book. Uh, and so it scratches sort of the same itch, right? Both in the comics and then uh, I got into the novels from there. It's the same setting in the comics and the, and the novel. So I won't need to say any more about that. Sure. <laughs> so novels. Who's got novels they can talk about? Uh, I've got uh, a number I've gone through recently. Um, I have a lot of time on my hands these days. <laughs> Um, I've, uh, first off, let's go ahead and put, point out, uh, I know you probably pointed it out on the Tome show, uh, uh, before, for the, the book club episodes, uh, almost all of the novels they've ever put out are now on Audible. Mm. The D&D books? Yes. Yeah. So, it... It's the only way I read anymore. <laughs> I, it, 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 it I, I have held in the past that not not all uh, uh, gaming-related novels are worth reading because sometimes they get people who are better game designers than they are fiction writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it easier to sort of dive into a book and get through, uh, you know, enjoy it more if it's being read to you than forcing yourself to read it. Uh, so... I find that's useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I've gone through a lot of those. The ones I've actually enjoyed uh, are the Eberron uh, Dreaming uh, series mm-hmm. so far. Has been a really a, a surprisingly fun series of, uh, of books. I, I, you know, like I said, I have a low opinion of, of gaming tie-in novels, sure. but those are actually quite enjoyable in and of themselves. Yeah, if I can piggyback on that a little bit. Um, I have It has become increasingly difficult for me to read uh, Ed Greenwood novels because of the way he writes. He gets into all this detail and stuff that just doesn't move the story along for me. And then I listened to my first Ed Greenwood novel as an audiobook. Yeah. And it occurred to me, oh, 
This is why they're hard to read. He's not writing novels. He's writing audio dramas because they're really good audio dramas. And then I talked to I actually talked to him about it at Gen Con this last year, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've always written with the intention of it being read aloud." Well, that's an interesting revelation because I don't read books aloud. <laughs> you know? So, so they make really good audiobooks. The the Ed Greenwood uh, stuff does. Cool. Tracy, books. I really like the the the, the parks. I don't know how to Pax Which, trilogy. P A K S trilogy. The the Dina Park Sinian. What? The Dina Park Sinian. Yeah, it's something like that. I forget how to pronounce it. Uh, By Elizabeth Moon, Uh, and she's written newer ones. And I actually really like the newer ones too. Uh, It's set in the same world, but without Pax being the main character. Uh, Those have been among my favorite recent ones. Outside of some of the, a couple of the D and D novels. Okay. Cool. McCoy, I piggybacked off of you. So, do you have any other books you want to mention? Uh, I've been, uh, you know, I've, I've of course read all the Jim Butcher novels, the Dresden Files, and I love those. Uh, I would recommend his fantasy series, uh, the uh, Codex Alera hmm. stuff, uh, which is also definitely worth reading. Uh, I, he suffers from, in both the Codex Alera and the Dresden Files books, that the first books aren't awesome, but they get better <laughs> after that. Oh, yeah? Because I enjoyed the first uh, Dresden Files book. Um, you know, even he admits that the first Dresden Files books was, book wasn't awesome. He, he wrote it to sort of show a writing teacher, oh, says you, I can't do this, I'll show you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's gotten better since then. He's become a much better writer. Cool. And and, and they get better as they go along. The uh, Codex Alera is, is similar. It, it You know, it's obviously he's following the recipe book for epic fantasy. It must have this, 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 and this. And then... You get into the second and then the third book, particularly, is when it really just takes off and you're like, oh, that's really good. Awesome. Well, I will make sure I check those out when I have another credit on Audible. Sure. Uh, I know. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say when uh, when I eventually have time again to read novels, there's a website called uh, theworldsf.wordpress.com. It's the World SF blog. Uh speculative fiction from around the world that has a lot of science fiction and fantasy books listed and I want to start picking off some of those. Hmm. Cool. Um, so most of my reading is in D&D novels, which of course if you're trying to scratch the D&D itch, D&D <laughs> novels are probably an okay thing to go to, right? Yeah. Um, we're currently reading the first of the Sundering novels, which is R.I. Salvatore's Companions, which is intended to be somewhat of a, of a jumping on point. Um, if you don't want to go back to the 28 original Drist books <laughs> um, and you want to start right, right ahead with, with 29 and be current with it. Um, and I, I actually – I've enjoyed it. We haven't had the book club on it yet. We're talking about it next week. But uh, I, I enjoyed it because it, it went in a very different direction than I expected it to from the beginning. Um, so, so that's on my list. And then I also, and, and, you know, I'm a Forgotten Realms fan, so I would follow the Sundering as a whole. And then also as part of getting ready to read the Sundering, um, I have, I've got completely caught up with the Erebus Kale series by Paul S. Kemp. And I really enjoy those. I think if you're going to pick up only one, um, 
if you're only going to pick up one series of of the Forgotten Realms, um, I would probably go Erebus Kale before most others. Okay, I can. My husband reads a lot more book novels than I do. I can, if you don't mind, I could quickly talk about some of the ones he reads. Sure. Sure. Uh, he likes the Wheel of Time series, which is now complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very long, so if you need a lot of reading, uh, that is a very good one. I, I've read like up to book five of it, but it just uh, I ran out of endurance. Um, and he also liked Game of Thrones, which many people do. Yeah, I was, I was uh, wondering how long it would take us to go through this before before um, we went Game of Thrones. I, I, and then I, another I, one. Oh, sorry, just real quick. Another one a lot of people like that I've read some of is uh, Mistborn. Oh yeah, those are good actually. Sanderson does a good job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would take Game of Thrones as a given. Uh, if you like fantasy literature, you've he- heard enough people tell you this is a good series. <laughs> just, just, just in case it's HBO TV series, and <laughs> in case it hadn't caught up to you, Game of Thrones is a thing. Yeah, but so- I'll tell you what: I've never read the books. Um, and I watched the first half of this of the TV series and was really turned off by it because it didn't grab me at all. And then I gave it like a, a, a nine month rest and came back to the TV series. And all of a sudden, the second season with the, with the break in between, I think, to help me con- disconnect from what I didn't like about it at first, yeah, really grabbed me. Like as of the second half of season one, then suddenly it's like, oh, now I get it. Like this is why this is cool, right? Yeah, I I I, I think uh, Martin does a good job of painting a a believable fantasy world in a lot of ways. Hmm. Uh, there are epic elements, but it's people more, really... It's more gritty than, than epic, though, I see. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and, and from the standpoint of... When I say believable, I mean... Very rarely do people do things because there's a prophecy and, yeah. you know... The, the, there's not a lot of hero's journey here. This is more... Here is the world I've created, and I'm going to set things in motion and see how things come out. Uh, and as as a result, no one is really the hero. If you if you attach yourself to any character, you're probably going to regret it. They will eventually disappoint you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, that said, I've I've read those, and um, lately I've discovered a series that seems like it was written for me. Oh yeah, um, which is the laundry, which is <laughs> the name doesn't immediately grab me. <laughs> it's uh, it's British uh, espionage crossed with Cthulhu mythos. Hmm. The laundry is the name of the organization whose whose job is to keep terrible horrors from beyond space and time from bursting into the universe. Awesome. And it, I, I, I absolutely love that series. <laughs> it's by Charles Strauss, who is an awesome guy, uh, and um, that that series is definitely worth reading. Cool. Any last books? I've, I've, I mean, I've exhausted the the bullet pointed list that I wanted to go through. I've got a whole bunch of others I could talk about, but I mean, um, you know, I, that's what I've been reading recently. I don't want to go through everything I've read in my life. Well, I've been reading a lot of. <laughs> Uh, non-fiction, some books on the history of the papacy, some things like that. Sure. Um, 
uh, there's a nice science fiction novel that isn't very D&D-ish uh, series called uh, The Expanse by James S. A. Corey, also well worth reading, things like that. I've been reading a lot lately. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tracy, you got any more books you want to mention? Mm, no, I think I've mentioned them all. Okay. Uh, where do we want to go next? You got a TV. Okay. I, got, I, have, I have things on my TV list. <laughs> Why don't you start? <laughs> I think I will. Uh, I will start with the more obvious choices and those being the ones that are more fantasy-based. Um, I've been enjoying – and I'm mostly looking at um, currently airing TV. So stuff that's doing that's doing new stuff, not not former episodes, not like you know you should go check out Lost because Lost is awesome as long as you don't watch the end. Um, so in terms of currently airing TV, Once Upon a Time, yep. uh, which also sort of does the fractured fairy tale characters in a modern day world, but then going back and forth between other worlds and what have you, and this the spinoff Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Which follows Alice sort of after the whole Alice in Wonderland and Alice and through the looking glass and all those sort of tales. Um, and then she, you know, fell in love with a genie while she, that she met while she was in Wonderland and she freed him. And then they traveled to a bunch of worlds and just basically realm hopped for a while to all these different fantasy worlds that where all these legends and myths came from. Uh, and then he died slash was taken and she went back home and was committed because everybody thought she was insane because she, you know, was telling stories about talking rabbits and things. Um, and now, you know, that sort of proceeds from there of somebody shows up and helps, helps free her. And Hey, I think your genie friend is alive and let's go see if we can find him in adventure. You know, goes from there. So those are my first two things that I'm watching. Who who else has TV? Well, I don't watch that much TV, and I've so I haven't seen all the episodes, but I've seen a few episodes of Supernatural, and I love it. And it's, I, I mean, I love the ones I saw, and I've gotten a lot of inspiration from them. It's interesting. Uh, I just started watching Supernatural because it's on um, Instant Watch on Netflix, and right. I, so I'm only like three or four episodes into the whole thing, and it's very clear to me that in season one they're trying to do a weekly horror series but from what i hear it doesn't doesn't stay that way for very long yeah and and that's the thing is i don't know but i know the few episodes i saw i definitely wanted to take things from it and put it into my DD game so i i think the thing that's awesome about supernatural is that the main characters act like pcs in a role-playing game oh I mean, if you think about it, because they, they, they know what the monsters are. They're not like, oh, crap, we need to freak out because there's a monster. They, they've <laughs> skipped past that part. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're like, how do we kill this monster? Yeah. Where, where do we find its lair? What are its weaknesses? A zombie shows up. They go, what kind of zombie is it? Is it like the full speed zombie or half speed? Are these the shot in the head or buried with a <laughs> silver in its mouth or what? Uh, so they they very much approach things like watching PCs approach monsters in a role playing game. That's cool. Yeah, I, I look forward to conti- continuing that series then. Yeah, because I, I hate I don't like it when TV shows don't grow with like, grow with that. Like I know they they pretty much knew from the beginning. I think, but like Medium, I watched for a while. I know it's no longer on, but. You know, when you get to season two and people are still questioning whether or not she sees things in her dreams and gets and goes talk to her, it gets really boring really quickly. Sure. <laughs> like, How long do you, you really keep this shtick up? Come on. Right. <laughs> How many times does she have to save the day before you just figure it out? Right. Well, and they all know that she says that she talks to these 
to these ghosts, but they keep questioning her, like, no, it can't really be that way this time, even though the last ten times it was that way. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a dream this time, I swear. Yeah. Cool. So, McCoy, did you, what do you got? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, been watching Legend of Korra, oh, yeah. which is awesome, uh, which is the follow-up to uh, Avatar The Last Airbender mm-hmm. series, uh, where Korra is the, uh, the, the, the new airbender 70 years or something after uh, Aang. Uh, and actually, one of her teachers is Aang's son. Yes. Yeah. So, so uh, that, that's how far ahead it is. But uh, it, it's been absolutely enjoyable storytelling, beautiful art, uh, everything you would expect uh, from the follow-up to Avatar the Airbender, um, with, with it also sort of growing up. Uh, whereas the, the first one was sort of... It, Aimed at the you know the early percent. early teens maybe you know like the ten year olds twelve year olds mm-hmm. that range this one is definitely aimed at older teenagers uh, you know there's relationship stuff going on uh, there's a lot more understanding of political intrigue and things like that mixed and in there compete and yes <laughs> um, and it's it it's hands down one of the best animated shows ever and certainly on on tv right now yeah well and so in in the first avatar series uh the fire nation had a lot of more steampunk elements to it i would i think Mm. like i think that's kind of fair to say In, in legend of korra it's it's like more akin to somewhere between the 1920s and 1940s uh i think while still having that fantasy feel and like what if there were elemental benders rather than technology that's driving this and stuff like that? Yeah, they have cars and planes and such. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it, but they still have the magic that is familiar from Avatar The Last Airbender, so it, it, it definitely works. Uh, that That is one I would recommend to anybody who is, a, you know, even vaguely interested in doing in seeing a and d like cartoon. Okay, fine, I'll watch it. Yeah, well, and it's really cool, too, because for me, it's you get the combination of the fan, the big fantasy element, but you also get a lot of the stories uh, with Legend of Korra of uh, the superheroes because it's kind of like they're mutants, and then there's the whole, in season one, the tension between people who have bending powers and people who don't. Sort of an X-Men vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So does that bring it back around to me? Yeah. Then I am going to mention um, – let's go slightly sci-fi, slightly fantasy and I'm going to mention Revolution. Um, I've been enjoying Revolution where it's technically in the future but like all the power has gone out. So there's no electricity which sort of creates a post-apocalyptic world where people are running around with swords and bows and things um, because, you know – it's hard to re- mass, mass reproduce bullets when, um, when there's no electricity. Um, and it's gone into some much more heavy sci-fi elements in the second season um, as they have sort of figured out what's going on and why it's going on. And it's done by some of the same people as Lost but takes a very different approach in that they give you mysteries but they're very quickly answering those questions. 
um, instead of leaving you hanging for six years. It also involves the guy who created Supernatural. Oh, yeah? Yeah. There you go. Uh, I unfortunately could not get into it. And, and, and I'm finding I like the second season even more so far than the first. But I, I understand. And I know some people had a hard time getting into it. But I've really enjoyed it. Next uh, up. I guess for me, the last two that I watch with any regularity would be NCIS and Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds for me is something I I like to pick apart for villains because some of them are just way out there. Uh, I don't even know how they think of them. Uh, and then NCIS has great chemistry between all the characters and they just remind me of how I wish all the characters in my games would act. All right, cool. McCoy? Uh, I'll toss out a couple here. Um, the the recently the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow TV show. I've heard about that. I saw ads for it, but I've never. I, I, I got into. I noticed it too late. It. I let me preface this by saying it's dumb. There are plenty <laughs> of times when there are things that are happening that are just dumb. You know, you've got a guy claiming to understand. Middle English, that it was the language of Chaucer, and he was uh, a student, whatever. It was dumb. But um, <laughs> that said, they have a lot of fun with it. It's Ichabod Crane wakes up after the Revolutionary War. Uh, has, you know, he, he died during the, Re- or yeah, sort of died during the Revolutionary War, wakes up uh, in the modern day. Uh, and so does the uh, Headless Horseman, and it turns out the Headless Horseman is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And Ichabod Crane and a modern-day cop uh, set about trying to stop the apocalypse from happening. It's ridiculous, but it's a lot of fun. I think and, that works. Yeah, and it's got a lot of elements that you know, D&D people will, will like. Uh, the, the other one that I, I think I would uh, bring up that has elements that you know, I, I, I enjoy and probably watch every week is person of interest, uh, which is just awesome. Uh, the, the premise is that there's a machine that was created for the government to track everything. Everyone says everywhere. Wow. This doesn't, this sounded more sci-fi uh, up until recently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it, it's just, it's designed to look for terrorists, big, big threats, potential, yeah. potential terrorists. But it also generates data about people who are going to be killed that are just like ordinary people. It picks up data and figures out, oh, this person's going to be killed. And the government's not all that interested in that stuff. They want to know where the terrorists are. They don't want to know about the guy who's going to get mugged, uh, you know, next week. So it sends out, spits out the social security numbers of these people and gives it to the guy who created the machine and uh, his team of essentially superheroes. Um, uh, secret agents. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean there's, there's no powers. There's no powers, but it might as well be Batman. Really, <laughs> it's where Okay, sure. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed Person of Interest as well. Uh, and speaking of a team, I want to mention two that do a great job of sort of gathering that team aspect. Uh, I want to talk about Leverage 
as nice. being a great caper story and written by the same guy who writes or wrote the D&D comic for a long time. Um, no longer on the air. Oh, is it? Is it off now? Yeah. Okay. They, I'm, I'm a little behind. I, I'm a little behind because I've been watching it through Netflix. Uh, and so leverage uh, was great, but okay, okay. Apparently, no longer on the air. Um, and uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield, which is only what three episodes in, but four, um, four episodes in. Okay. Well, I'm also an episode behind on that. So I'm busy <laughs> recording podcasts. Um, but yeah, that's another one that that gathers um, a really good sort of team concept but at the same time has all of the Joss Whedon humor that I've missed for so long I I didn't I, I didn't love the first three episodes but I saw a lot of potential in them the fourth episode actually is a little better and I think you know if you look at the first season of Buffy it's awful but it gets better <laughs> after that uh, and I I'm sort of viewing it with that that perspective there's a lot of cool things that I think are neat and then a lot of really stupid things that I kind of want to hit a writer with. <laughs> All right. Trace? Any more? Uh, no, no more TV for me. McCoy, I've been any playing. more? Uh, I, I, I mean, I've been binge-watching stuff on Netflix, but, uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, but that's... Not everybody's going to do that. So. Should, should we, should we uh, take a nod towards The Walking Dead as well? Sure. I mean, I uh, think yeah. that's got some some good elements in it that can be useful. Uh, uh, def- definitely, if if uh, you hate your players, <laughs> and if nothing else, if you're not looking for inspiration, it, it certainly scratches some geek itch. Sure, sure. But if if you're using that as a, a template for a game that you're playing, you must really hate your your, <laughs> your players. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> one of the things that, one of the things I always said about the 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 remake of Battlestar Galactica is that it's a constant sort of study in what happens when you take the entirety of humanity and kick them while they're down and then watch them try to get up and just when they're about to get up kick them again you yeah, know, and just keep doing that for like six years <laughs> there, there is no happiness no there's just, and, you know, and they never get a break you never let up on yeah, them and uh, The Walking Dead is much the same way you just keep kicking them while they're down but it's a survival show so that's kind of what it's what life is like in the zombie apocalypse all right, movies or video games? Where do you want to go next? Video games. Did I hear video games? Yes. All right, McCoy, start us off. Video games. Well, since we're talking about D and D related stuff, I, I I feel compelled that I should bring up uh, Neverwinter Nights. Okay. Or uh, Neverwinter, I guess. Uh, the the MMO Neverwinter mm-hmm. is definitely um, it's fun. It's it reminds me a lot of early D anD D, or not early D anD D, uh, early uh, World of Warcraft. Okay. In a lot of ways, it's uh, the mechanics are pretty straightforward. There's nothing you know radically new or different here, but it's fun, uh, and you can play it for free. So it's definitely worth checking out, and uh, it's got enough nods to people who know some of the lore that you can get the sort of Easter eggs out of it. Sure. Cool. Trace? Uh, so Jared and I played a game called Trying To. It's great because it's got a, even an online co-op version, and we would just be on Skype talking to each other as we played. So that's what I was talking about earlier with uh, still being able to have fun even if you can't sit at the same table. Uh, and it's a game set in a fantasy world. You're uh, 
triune, you're called together by this by this triune thing, and it's a a rogue, a fighter, and a wizard, and you work together to solve puzzles and defeat goblins and orcs. Uh, I, I, I'm not as much of a video gamer, mostly because um, I used to be and then I got a job and suddenly my time for video gaming disappeared and then I had kids and I really didn't have any time. Um, but I have been playing a little bit lately. Um, I have been playing, replaying through the uh, Baldur's Gate game uh, on my iPad. So they released it for iOS and it plays pretty pretty well there. There's occasional things where the touch touch interface isn't ideal, but it, it plays through pretty well there. Um, and then they've also recently announced that they are also releasing um, Baldur's Gate 2 um, for mobile devices as well. So they're porting that one over. Uh, and then the only other video game I've been playing lately is the original Bioshock because they they finally released Bioshock Infinite on um, the Mac. And I'm like, oh, well, I... I've heard really good things, and most people's complaints is that there's too much story, and the whole reason I play games is for a story, so this sounds perfect for me. Uh, I should totally check out Bioshock Infinite, but hey, I kind of want to play the the uh, or- original games first, so I bought um, the first Bioshock game, and I've been playing through that slowly because I hardly ever have time to play. Sure. So those are my video game experiences lately, and both of which you know, scratch different itches. I have more, but... It... Go. Okay. Uh Borderlands 2, I uh, really enjoyed that, and I also kind of watched Jared play through the uh, Tiny Tina adventure that was a D&D adventure <laughs> within the game. Uh, a game called Snapshot, uh, you play, it's a puzzle solving game, you play a robot that uses a camera to manipulate the world around you, and, and you get to save three snapshots, and, and that's how, uh, and there's strategy and stuff there. Uh, this is a joke game, but secret of the magic crystal. <laughs> you raise horses, and you have to pet them to make them intelligent. But it's it is fun <laughs> to play once. You're sure, right? <laughs> well, and it's really it, it's often really cheap. It's like a buck sometimes. Oh, okay. On sale. Uh, I haven't I've played Limbo, which is a platformer game, but it's got a dark dark story you travel through the you're trying to get your sister who's been kidnapped uh and you're going through a world where there's a bunch of people who are dead in the background and uh stuff like that uh i also liked evo land where you play through the evolution of video games so you unlock new uh, uh improvements to video games like music you get you know you might unlock 8-bit music and then uh I don't know what the 16-bit or whatever. But yeah, the music gets better as you play and as does the graphics and everything else. I love Don't Starve and Terraria, which are both uh, games where you build up the environment around you and you're trying to survive. Uh, Castle Crashers is just a fun game where kind of a platformer type thing where you're going through and you're trying to rescue the princesses, but it's all supposed to be an ironic joke. Uh, and then the other game we've been playing a lot is League of Legends, which mm-hmm. is just an arena combat style game uh, that has a reputation for having a poor uh, community. But they're trying to make it better, and if you play with your friends, it's awesome. Cool. I've been meaning to try that one out, uh, but the, the community definitely kept me away from it for a while. 
yeah. It's uh it's free to play and and yeah, and a lot of times you can mute people and uh they have a thing called uh all random all mid now that's a way of playing uh PvP but people don't so part of it is that it's gotten very competitive and so people if you're playing in competitive games, people get very angry very easily. But if you sure. don't play the competitive games as often, uh, people tend to be quite nicer. Uh, I've been playing a lot of games, again, because I've got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> um, it's a theme for you. Yeah, yeah, it is, unfortunately. Um, I've, uh, I, I, I've been replaying my way through uh, the Bioware games, the, the Dragon Age series mm-hmm. uh, which you know if you're a dnd player this this will fill that niche quite nicely it's lots of story it's very familiar kind of uh tropes to it but it's but it's well done and it's lots of content and a high replay value because it's you can make different choices to give you different outcomes and it's it's a lot of fun mass effect again same sort of thing lots of replay value uh, the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer, actually, I enjoy a lot because um, it's not competitive. It's mm-hmm. co-op, uh, uh, squad-based co-op uh, multiplayer. So you just sort of drop in, and you're all fighting the, the same monsters. So you're, you're not competing against each other, and I think that encourages people to not be, forget the language, dicks. So... <laughs> Um, and beyond that, I've been, uh, uh, I've played Torchlight 2, mm-hmm. uh, very much like Trine, except it's less multiplayer. Um, uh, nice. And, and Torchlight 1, I, I played it anyway, um, uh, and it was very sort of, uh, Diablo-ish. Sure. Uh, and is, I've been playing... Does the sequel sort of follow the same format? Yeah, it's, yeah, it, that even more so. Okay. Um... It's a little more polished, and that's about it. Uh, Shadow One Returns, mm. I've really enjoyed that. Uh, they recently came out with it on iPad and uh, Android, too. So mm-hmm. if you want to try it out on iPad, it's worth trying. Uh, it's the you know, turn-based, uh, squad-based uh, RPG, kind of like the old Baldur's Gate games and so forth. Mm-hmm. So it will be very familiar in that regard. That one also allows people to create missions and they've been a lot of really creative people working on it cool um been watching i've been playing mark of the ninja which is a side side scrolling stealth game so much fun is it i I have it but i haven't been played it yet uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's it's you know platformer type game Mm -hmm. but it it's also stealth based you're trying to sneak past people and uh, do stealth kills and no, things Are you like guys that. primarily looking at like Steam games? Uh, most of mine I get through Steam. Um, yeah, me too. And uh, let's see, beyond that, uh, I've tried a bunch of free-to-play MMOs, Star Wars, The Old Republic, Lord of the Rings Online, uh, I played Secret World for a while, what have you. I like to play a lot of different games, uh, so I don't spend a lot of time on any one of them i just sort of bounce around cool all right well then i guess that's oh you got more video games i was just gonna say anything by spiderweb software 
They made a Avernum, and that for years before I started playing D and D was my D and D. Alright, cool. Um, what's left? Movies. I I'm, I have children. I don't get to go to movies unless they're animated. So uh, I'm broke, so I don't get to go to meetings. <laughs> right, well, we don't uh, have any movie recommendations unless Tracy well, has them. Well, do are we doing Netflix or? Sure. Sure. I mean, because I liked Bathory, Countess of Blood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but tell me more. There, there's a contrast between because you seem very shy about that the fact that you like Bathory, Countess of Blood. <laughs> it was uh, it's a retelling of the Countess Elizabeth Bathory tale. Uh, she was considered. Uh, by some to potentially be uh, a vampire, and it basically goes through and 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 it's a fantasy movie and kind of gives an alternative explanation of what was really going on, which is a bunch of political intrigue. And there, what I really love about it are the these two uh, I forget what the like monks basically who were sent to investigate what was going on. And they're they're sent under the guise of being surveyors, but they love to build these contraptions. Like at least one of them likes to build all these contraptions and stuff, and it's a lot of fun to watch them uh, basically build uh, roller skates in the Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I will have to check that out. I guess uh, it's a long movie. <laughs> it's like. I, I, <laughs> Tell you what, if, if you're gonna if, if you're gonna go that way, I'll recommend a, a Netflix movie that I watched. Oh, it must have been in a year and a half ago now, um, and it was the most fantastically horrible thing I've ever watched in my life. And that is Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Oh my god, I love that movie so much! <laughs> it was I love that movie so to much. watch. Jesus he calls his buddy Santos, the Mexican wrestler, to come help him. And it's it, awesome. He's skateboarding down the street and giving people high fives and. <laughs> Oh my god! It is the most wonderful. I, I like. I think I live tweeted the entire thing, and people were massively entertained by the the, the whole process. They're like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? And that cannot really be in the movie. Oh no, it is and more. <laughs> oh yes, it is absolutely completely gonzo, strange. Well, then you should also watch Nicolas Cage's Vampire's Kiss. <sighs> I have seen the Vampire's Kiss. Uh, All of that. I, honestly, I'm one of the few people who who doesn't hate Nicolas Cage, apparently. Um, I think he's kind of awesome. But part of the reason I think he's kind of awesome is I've seen Vampire's Kiss. Um, it, no, uh, there are a bunch of really good, sort of lesser-known um, movies, fantasy movies on Netflix. Like, uh, Solomon Kane is up there now. It's on my list. Is it good? It's it's a lot of fun. Um, it's it's very much like the books with dramatically less racism. Um, <laughs> okay, good. That's, that's probably an appropriate thing to make. <laughs> um, and it has the guy who was uh, I'm trying to remember his name, James something. He's an English actor. Uh, he was in Rome and uh, a bunch of other really cool things. And he's he's a good actor, and he's playing the, the character straight. And it's 
Uh, the countryside is uh, being dominated by uh, demon-worshipping necromancers. And Solomon Cain has to go defeat them. And he is a man that was so evil that he fears dying because he will go to hell. Uh, it, it's kind of odd. Uh, also, Judge Dredd, uh, not Judge Dredd. Dredd. Dread. Dread. I watched that just a couple weeks ago. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay. Definitely worth watching. So Jared made me watch John Dies at the End recently. John, and that is very John Gonzo. Die at the end? <laughs> I don't want to ruin oh, anything. Don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also watched the Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Okay. Wow. Okay. And you recommend those? Uh, John Dies at the End is just... I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what I watched. Okay. <laughs> So now we've got we've clearly it's clearly gotten late enough in the night and late enough into the episode. Now we've just gotten punchy, <laughs> and, yes. and we're throwing out just random stuff that we saw no. one time. <laughs> no, but it's great that I don't know what I watched. It just has these random things that make sense, but and are cool for. Uh, I, I thought would still be cool as inspiration for games, but I I could not even begin to explain it to anybody else. Uh, don't be afraid of the dark. Is a a retelling of fairy tales in the dark way that they're originally written like they're not mm-hmm. fairy tales have kind of become more disneyfied yeah disneyfied over time as opposed and, to you know the original grim grim story tales right and yeah. don't be afraid of the dark is a is much closer to the the original versions okay cool yeah there, there's a lot of them on there that are are worth watching for inspiration maybe not so much for great filmmaking, right. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a lot of them on there that are like, "Wow, yeah, I could totally make a game of that." Uh, so, and, uh, and My Little Pony is on there, so it's true. My Little Pony is on there, um, but decidedly know, not a movie. No, um, <laughs> Troll Hunter. Troll Hunter is on there. It's a Norwegian. Uh, film about uh, documentary uh, filmmakers going off into the wilderness and finding trolls. Oh, nice. Of course it is. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Daywatch. Definitely, you know, D&D. If you can't find D&D inspiration in Daywatch, you're not, or or Nightwatch, you're not trying to. Which one is it? Nightwatch or Daywatch? They're They're part of the same series. Oh, okay. So they're uh, both. Yeah. Um, I would recommend not watching Human Centipede. Um, no. <laughs> well, thanks for the anti-recommendation. <laughs> avoid it. You may, be, you may be curious. Avoid that curiosity. I, I, I wasn't curious until you said something. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's lots of good stuff on there. Well, good. Any last recommendations in movies? Or let's go ahead and, and open it up to any other recommendations you can make towards something that people should check out to scratch their D&D itch. Um, I, will, I, will, I will start out with a recommendation. Uh, most, most areas have some sort of LARPing going on. Go try it. It's, it's fun. It's uh, very social. It's a good way to scratch your gaming itch. If you can't get a tabletop game going, it's a good way to meet people. And, uh, you know, get you off the couch and out in the woods. 
I suppose if you can find a LARPing group, there's a good chance you can find some t- a tabletop group as part of that. That's true. Uh, I would suggest one of the suggestions I would have is Geek and Sundry has the tabletop uh, pod, or video, video blog, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and they do a lot of different games, so maybe you could learn a new game that you can play with your current friends. Cool. And I'm going to say that everybody should uh, go read uh, sarahdarkmagic.com to uh, scratch their D&D itch. So there. Are yes. we d- is that good? Do we Have we made our massive amount of recommendations? I think we've given people more stuff to consume than they could ever possibly consume. Sure. I'll, I'll be surprised if they listen this far into the episode. <laughs> um. Well, if you listen to this far into the episode, make sure to go to thetomeshow.com and leave a comment in the show notes uh, to let us know that you actually got to the, this far in. So I guess with that said, we should uh, say thanks. So thanks, McCoy. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. I have a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> I've heard th- I think I've heard <laughs> that somewhere. <laughs> uh, and while we- currently Noble Knight is not a sponsor, I want to go ahead and thank all of you guys as listeners for uh, visiting Noble Knight and letting them know that you heard about them through the show. Uh, when I recently talked to them, um, they said that they, well, tip. It's worth noting they usually only only sponsor about half of the year. They usually take three months on, three months off, and that's just sort of their routine. And so it's, they didn't leave our, our sponsorship for any negative reasons. In fact, when I talked to them, they said that uh, quote uh, the best response they've had from a podcast sponsorship was from Tome Show listeners. So I really appreciate that you guys are out there supporting us and and supporting our sponsors who support us. Uh, it means a lot to me, and I and I think it means a lot to them and. It shows um, that we can keep things going really strong and and all that stuff makes a lot of the things we do very possible. It helps us um, get products to review. It helps us pay our hosting bills. And it helps us even uh, cover a little bit of the the cost of doing some of the Gen Con coverage and that kind of stuff. So I wanted to thank all of you guys for going out there and helping us out by supporting our sponsors. And while Noble Note is taking a break, if you want to continue supporting the show, uh, you can go sh- shopping on Amazon. The ha- holidays are approaching soon, so if you get your shopping done and you can support the podcast at the same time, or through the D&D Classics links on our website. And if you want, you can contribute directly to the show as well through PayPal. We're happy to provide the show for free, uh, but we welcome anyone who's who wants to support us uh, in any way they can. And if you don't fl- incline to feel... And if you don't feel inclined to go shopping, we still love you. Uh, But you might consider helping spread the word. Let people know about the show. Go rate us in iTunes, you know, with something positive to say. Um, All that helps uh, grow the show and keep us strong and helps the the community of listeners get awesomer and awesomer. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email to thetomeshow at gmail.com or call us on our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And that has been episode 225, where we put a topical cream on that itchy D&D rash we developed in this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm on the wall.